Supersize me. I might be thinking too small. What if we were up on the mountain, looking out from the rooftop? What if we had the bird's eye view? Perspective matters. It changes how we see things and changes how we respond. So how will you respond if we have a God-sized perspective in mind? That's today on the podcast. It's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for listening in to our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you, and we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. This week, Pastor Jason is finishing up the Be Rich sermon series about how we're already rich, and God wants to teach us how to live and how to give with a God-sized perspective. Let's check it out right now. Well, we hope that uh, on this last day of the Be Rich campaign that you will consider being rich to donating that $39.95. This is the last day we can do it because we're going to cut the check tomorrow and present it to our local mission. So if you have not had an opportunity uh, to give, I want to encourage you to do that because it really does make a huge impact in these local nonprofits and these local missions that really depend on the generosity of others in order to work. Well, one last time, because I want to show this slide again. Congratulations, you're rich. Congratulations. So if you haven't been here, this is what I want to tell you. You're rich, and so now you can go enjoy your pancakes. Basically, if you make total household income $48,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. And you think, well, pastor, got you there. We're retired. We don't make that much. Yeah, but I bet you're still in the top 5% of wage earners in the world. And the problem is, is for us who have so much, there are some side effects that come with our wealth. Some negative side effects. One is denial. We deny that we are as wealthy as we are. And the other one is discontentment. That we are constantly bombarded with messages that we need to upgrade our lives. Right? This is the consumer society that we live in. And It's not inherently good or bad to buy new cars, to buy new phones, to buy new houses. That's not inherently good or bad. Just like money isn't inherently good or bad. Remember, Scripture says it's the root of all evil. It doesn't say it is all evil. The problem is, is when we are not satisfied with what we have and we're always looking to upgrade, it makes us dissatisfied people. And then we keep searching for that next thing that's going to push our happiness over the top. Oh, if I get that new thing, if we get that new, if that, that bigger house, if we get that nicer car, if we get that new phone, get that new computer, or whatever it is we want to upgrade, it's like we feel like that happiness is just around that next purchase. Oh, if we would just remodel the kitchen, then I'll be happy. And then, of course, you do whatever that thing is, and you're happy for a little bit, and then you start not being happy because there's something else that you feel like you need to upgrade. These are the side effects of wealth. And so back to our verse, we've been camping out on this verse from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Command those who are rich in this present world, that's you, not (laughs) and me, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You see, the danger is, is that if we don't put our hope in God and we keep putting our hope in wealth, 
uh, is that uh, that hope will never satisfy. That hope will never get us to where we want to go. And that is living a life that is full of purpose and joy and hope and love. All the things that happen when we are living a life in relationship with God and what he wants for us. That won't happen if our hope migrates. You know what I mean by hope migrating? Like I say right now, I put my hope in Jesus Christ and then I face some kind of like financial crisis. And my hope starts going from what God's going to provide to what do I have to do? What are my provisions? How do I make it all work? And it becomes about me solving the problem. Now, I don't think, I think there's some good things about that. We don't just go to God, okay, God, solve all my problems. I'm waiting. Right? Like he gave us a brain. He has us do things so that, but sometimes that hope can migrate so much that you forget to keep your hope in God. And you put your hope in your own possessions. You put your hope in your provisions instead of the one who richly provides. And so what's the remedy to the migration of hope? The remedy is to be rich. To be rich toward others. To be rich toward God. In other words, generosity is the remedy to the side effects of wealth. Now I know that sounds super self-serving to the pastor standing before the congregation, the nonprofit, where we ask for your pledges and your donations all the time. And I really love this Be Rich series because all the money that we collect for this goes out the door. We're not, there's no administration fee. There's no, it all goes out the door. Because I want to remove that obstacle. Where, it, where it's, you know, it's like you feel like you go to church and the pastor's like, money is evil. Better leave it with us. <laughs> right? We'll take care of it for you. Don't you worry about it. We'll... <laughs> right? Because money's not evil. It's not. But it can lead to us getting all warped and twisted up inside. And that's not what God wants for us or our relationship with money for that matter. But generosity is the key. And that's how we're going to move forward. That's how we're going to join in God's mission for the world. That we're all in this together and that's how we're going to move forward the mission of God. It's a partnership. And it's funny because sometimes I wonder, I'm like, God, really? Like we're your plan A? Of reaching the world with the gospel? Have you not seen us? We're a mess. Like, I got some questions on the other side, you know? Really? We were your plan A. But the, the truth is, God's mission doesn't happen without the partnership of the people. God set it up that way. It's not like God couldn't. God chose willingly to set it up so it's a partnership. In other words, like I've been to a lot of churches, and many of you have too. I've served in Big, small, medium, all different kinds, different denominations. And if all it took to push the mission of God forward was to pray, every church would be full. God, we pray that you would bring us more people so we could share the gospel. Pray that you bring those families to the church. If it was just about praying and then sitting back and, okay, I'm waiting, then all of our churches would be full. But it's not. I've been to tiny churches that are on the brink of death who are filled with faithful people. It's not because they're not faith or don't believe in Jesus. It's because they don't do anything. And so working in God's mission has always been, we collect, since the early church, we collect our resources together and we move God's mission forward by reaching out to the people around us. That's what, that's what this is all about. That's what we're doing. And the thing is, um, this is the awesome part 
about Christians. According to Barna's research on uh, donors in America, Christians outgive non-religious people by a lot. They also outgive every other religion. And it's not even close. Christians in the United States give away more money than any other group. And you know this is true intuitively because, I don't know, like whenever there's a natural disaster, my goodness, they, they keep piling up. I mean, fires and earthquakes and tsunamis and hurricanes and all these things that are happening. What do the news reports always say? And then this church stepped in and started rebuilding. This Christian organization donated so many pounds of food. These Christians, like I have yet to hear, oh, the Milwaukee atheists are out there. Uh, doing their work, and uh, you know, fi- <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why Milwaukee. I, I don't know if they have atheists there, but but the thing is, like, you never hear that report because because something is different for the Christian. Something is different on the inside that makes us more generous, and that's because we are connected with the DNA of Jesus Christ, whose whole life was about giving away his life for the sake of everybody else. There is something about sacrifice and giving and generosity that is implanted in us by the Holy Spirit when we come to faith in him. Now the next verse we're going to look at is going to take the idea of generosity and send it to another level. And it's tipped off by what Paul says in that verse 17. It says, command those who are rich... Oh, excuse me. That's 18. That's all right. We'll read 18. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Go on to the next one. Okay. So he says, command those who are rich in this present world. And stop right there. That's a weird thing to say, right? He doesn't just say, command those who are rich and then continue with his thought. Command those who are rich in this present world. This is a little clue he's dropping about something he's going to say next. Verse 19. He says, In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. He's talking about the present world, and then he's talking about the coming age. So that, which is a purpose statement, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. See what's happening here? He's somehow saying that our generosity, our way of giving in this present world has something to do with eternity. It has something to do with that. And it also has to do with kind of the deepest meaning of Receiving life from Jesus Christ. The life that is truly life. That all of that is connected somehow. What I think it is, is that Jesus wants to do more than just give us generous habits. He wants us to be generous disciples. Because our habits happen for all sorts of different motivations that may not have anything to do with being a disciple of Jesus Christ. So it's not just about generous habits. For example, I could have... Two people, and they both give $1,000 to the Red Cross. 
And the first person I asked is, oh, yeah, well, you know, why do you give $1,000 to the Red Cross? Well, I mean, I believe in their work. I want to support them. They have a lot of work to do right now, so I gave $1,000. And then for the other person who gave $1,000, why did you give $1,000? Because I really, really need a tax break. Completely, same result, completely different motivations. But the whole point, remember, is that generosity and giving and being rich, this is all about the heart. That the motivations matter. It's not just about generous habits. Those are good. We want to make sure that we have a generous heart. That we are generous disciples. The way we fill the generosity gap is through the lens of the coming age. What does that mean? Well, it is believed, according to scripture, this is what Jesus teaches, that there's something called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has been growing. And What's the kingdom of God? It's that place where all things are made right. At the end of time, all things will be made right. And God's kingdom, remember in the New Testament around Jesus, people would say, and Jesus would say things like, God's kingdom is at hand. What does that mean? Jesus was the living, breathing kingdom of God. He was all things made right. He was perfect. And when he was born, and that's why we celebrate Christmas, when he was born, God's kingdom began. And it continued to us by his death and resurrection. And that kingdom is growing and growing and growing until one day, that's the only kingdom that will be left. The coming age, when everything will be made new. Everything will be made right. So for us, we have to have a coming age, a God's kingdom-sized view of our generosity. Now, that's a really big idea. Let me land it in everyday life. So... Let's say I'm going to a local coffee house, which, let's be honest, it's probably true. <laughs> going to a local coffee house, but it's one of those uh, fancy schmancy ones where they come serve you, right? You don't just go up. And um, I go and I order a latte, even though I would just normally order. I'm so boring with coffee. Just, like, just give me the strongest stuff you have. That's it. Just whatever the darkest roast is, give me that. Um, but let's say, for sake of argument, I order a latte. And uh, the barista, the person serving me, comes up and, uh, you know, takes my order. And it's kind of rude. Like, isn't really friendly. Okay, you know, whatever. And she comes back 20 minutes later. All I did was order a latte. 20 minutes later, with a cup of hot chocolate. Now, I don't hate hot chocolate, but that's not what I ordered. That's not what I ordered. So... You know, then I think, of, then I think about, well, you know, excuse me, um, it's, not, it's not really what I ordered. And she doesn't hear me. She immediately gives me the check and says, as soon as you're ready. Don't you love that? No rush. As soon as you're ready, give me the check as soon as you start eating. Boy, thank you. I'm getting one laugh over there. So, so then, then I have to get her attention again. And I'm like, excuse me, I ordered a, a latte. I'm so sorry. And she's like, no, you didn't. No, no, I did. Oh, wait, so you want a latte now? <laughs> this is partially based on experience, by the way. Seth. <laughs> That's why I'm able to draw from this well. <laughs> uh, sure, yes, a latte. Ugh. Okay, it's going to be a couple of minutes. So, at the end of this ordeal, here's the question. This is the existential question of the day. 
how much do I tip? How much above nothing? Or do I steal a cup just to make it whole, you know, like... Now, let's say all of those things are still true, and uh, let's change my circumstances a little bit. So scenario number one, I'm running late for an appointment because I had to wait the 20 minutes for the hot chocolate that I didn't want. Now, let's say in this other situation, I just found out that a huge business deal I'd been working on came through. In which of those scenarios might I, all things being the same, might I be more generous? Right? And this is the problem. This is why when we give from our humanness, when we give from a present age generosity and not from a kingdom generosity, where we sometimes go astray. Because my patience... And empathy and generosity are shaped by my circumstances. That's not a God-sized view. Now, why does that matter? Well, do you think it would matter if I discovered that the server or barista had just lost her mother the day before? Think that would matter? How generous I was. Or let's say it was my brother or sister serving me. <laughs> Don't you love that when it's like somebody you know, or like a loved one, and they serve you and they get everything wrong, and you're just like, oh yeah, no problem. Oh, it's great. And then you oh, like overtip them. <laughs> oh yeah, no, everything's fine. That's okay. I don't even like coffee. Just I love hot chocolate. It's perfect. <laughs> perfect. We're so generous with the people that we want to be generous with. But we don't always know all the information. And what's the difference? The difference is perspective. The difference is perspective. So if you lived your life then with a God-sized perspective, it would change how you lived it, including your finances. My giving in this present age is based on my circumstances. What if I gave with a coming age or God's kingdom perspective? There's a great parable that Jesus tells. Parable, of course, is a, is a story, a teaching story. And Jesus often taught in stories because we remember stories. We don't always remember teaching points. So he taught this parable about giving with a kingdom perspective or money with a kingdom perspective versus a present age perspective. And this is Luke chapter 12. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Aren't you happy to know you knew more scripture than you thought? (laughs) Right from the scripture. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? 
This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Pause right there. At first read, we read this story, and we might think, well, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? He had, he had abundance, and he built bigger storehouses, bigger barns, so that he could house it all. And then he got to like kick back and retire. Isn't that kind of like the American dream? Isn't that sort of like what we're all pursuing? Having enough so that we can do what we want? Again, I don't think this is like God's telling you don't have a savings plan. Or that there's something wrong with preparing for the future. And I think this is because you got to read this one a little closer. Can you go back to the beginning of this one? I just want to read through it and point out a couple things again. With 16. So the ground, uh, rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Next one. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Next. They said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. There I will store my surplus grain. Next. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty, uh, plenty of grain laid up for many years. Next one. God said to him, you fool, this very night. You see what he did? So back in Jesus' day, when somebody had crops, they would leave a little bit of what was left, if there was anything left over, any abundance. They would leave it for the poorest in their community to glean from the crops and get food to eat. That's just the way their communities worked. And so they would come after the harvest was done, and they were allowed to go through and get anything that was left. This rich man didn't ask one single question to God about what he, he should do with his abundance. Because God never entered his mind. It was my crops, my surplus grain. The assumption is that it's all for my consumption. It was a heart problem. It wasn't that he wanted to save for the future. It was a heart problem with his relationship with his possessions. And you know what happens? Your possessions start possessing you. And this is why God responds in this way. You fool. You fool. And Jesus, after he tells this parable, he goes into this whole part of Luke talking about why you shouldn't worry about money. And he ends with this. This is verse 33. Can you jump to that? Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your biggest competitor for your heart is wealth. This is why Jesus talked about money so much. And I think when it comes to giving with a kingdom-sized view or a coming-age mind is what is, what is known as faith lived in three tenses. I believe that Christians live faith in three tenses, like past, present, future. In other words, I look at what God has done in the past. How do I know what God's done in the past? Well, my scriptures give me a lot of information. Uh, church history, the last 2,000 years, I see what, how God has been faithful in the past. I even look at my own life. All those times I prayed to God, and God took care of me. I could see God was faithful in the past. Therefore, 
If he says anything about my future, I believe it because he was faithful in the past. So in the future, he says things like, I'm going to give you this eternal home. You have life and life to the full. I am with you always to the very end of the age. I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. I can trust in those plans because I've seen his faithfulness in the past. And therefore, it changes how I live today in the present. I can't get past this, uh, this analogy, and you've heard me say this a few times, but I think it fits. It's like DVRing a sports game. When I want to watch football on Sundays, I often DVR it. Sunday's a working day. But then I wait to find out if my team won. My team doesn't win a lot. But when they do, I watch the whole game in its entirety. It's fantastic. And so I watch, and I'll watch them fumble and throw interceptions and all the things they do every week. (laughs) But I watch it with a whole different perspective. Oh, man, I enjoy it. I'm sitting there, I'm eating popcorn when they're throwing the ball to the other team. It doesn't bother me at all because I know how it ends. It ends in a win. So I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to see how they come back from this one. This is fantastic. (laughs) The thing is, that's what the Christian life should be. We know how this thing ends so that when we fumble the ball and when we, we have these problems, when these obstacles come our way, we don't get defeated. We don't give up. We don't drop into despair. No, because we know how this thing ends. We know that God's got us. And it gives us the kind of God-sized eternity perspective that we need. And this is true in our faith. It's true in our relationships. And yes, it's true in our money. Faithfulness in three tenses. We know how this thing ends. And it changes how we live now. We live with the coming age in mind. What would my present life look like if I lived with eternity in mind? So I want to encourage you today, while you still have time, be rich toward God. Loosen your grip on wealth and it will loosen its grip on you. Congratulations. We're rich. Now let's let God teach us how to be rich. Amen.